our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Howdy. G'day. I will never say that again. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's just clicked out of this episode. <laughs> so. You know how on episodes it shows you the retention rate of like what percentage <laughs> of people have like listened for how long? The retention is like 100 until like three seconds and then it drops to zero. <laughs> but welcome guys to another week. We're here for you. I have had a lot of interest come into our DMs around how do you know if you're investing in a way that is too risky or not? Because I think we live in a time where if you jump online, you see a lot of like, hey, go and buy this stock or go and buy this shit. Like I remember talking to a group of people when I was doing a investing seminar and I was saying, if you have a hundred percent investment portfolio of just shares, like you're putting your money into funds and shares, even if it's just funds, that's actually an extremely aggressive investor. And people were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know. Like we live in a time where if someone says, I just invest in index funds, everyone else is like, that's quite boring. That's quite conservative. The average investor, if they have all their money in individual companies through funds, If you go ask a bank or if you go ask a financial advisor or if you work in the like asset management space, 100% shares is extremely aggressive compared to having a little bit in cash, a little bit in bonds, a little bit in commodities. But we just live in a time where it's like, you just invest in index funds? What a nana. That's literally what we call ourselves. Every single year we do year wrap ups and then we do like our intentions for the next year with our investing strategy take a shot every time we say nana investor in those episodes are we part of the problem (laughs) we are but the truth is we are actually being extremely risky by putting all our money in just individual companies even if they're through funds so today's episode is all about making sure just doing a little quick check doing a quick like am i being too risky and do i need to actually pull back with my investments so first step sonia take it away My first step is so wild to me and I don't know anyone that exists like this. And if this is you and you're listening to this, I need you to pause. I need you to stop running on your treadmill, stop walking. I just need you to take your phone out and make a note that you need to change your ways. And that is not having any cash 
on hand. What I'm talking about is you have your main bank account, your daily bank account. I personally call the account that I'm getting paid into daily expenses. Thank you, Barefoot Investor. But you only have that one bank account and you spend everything from that bank account. Let's just say it's a visa debit, hey? You spend everything from that bank account and that card. You don't have any savings. You don't have any emergency funds. You don't have anything on cash. And you're just 100% investing in the stock market, okay? You don't even have houses or nothing. You don't have property. You don't have gold or commodities. You just have your daily expenses bank account and shares in the stock market. Listen. I could sit here for 30 minutes and just roast that sign that you're an aggressive investor alone. And I don't mean to be that person to make you feel bad if this is you. There's probably a reason why you are this way and I would love to hear it if you want (laughs) to write in. You're only allowed to roast me on the podcast. Why are you roasting the community then? (laughs) I'm so sorry. I take all of that back. I just realized what I was saying. I think it got a little bit too hot-headed. I don't know where this is coming from. At one point in your life, you just had shares and a daily account. Literally, this was me from the moment I started working till probably like 20-something. It's so interesting. But at least you're honest. Be better than me, you know? learn from me. And I feel like the reason that is a problem, there's a few different reasons. One, in emergencies, what are you doing, babes? What are we doing here? If you don't have a little bit in savings, if you don't have a little bit set to the side, what if you do need like a $2,000 root canal? Where are you pulling that money from? And this is assuming that you don't leave anything in your checking and you're not allocating your money intentionally in different places like it's just there I feel like it's very risky because a lot of times when we talk about financial freedoms and having these savings accounts it's not just to be boring it's not just to follow like a process or doing quote-unquote the right thing it genuinely is such a safety net and such a sense of security that you'll have that if anything comes up medical bills car repairs home repairs you have this allocated amount of money that you're able to pull from that you don't have to pull from your investments or you don't have to pull from somewhere else to pay for it that brings me to my second point that if you don't have any cash on hand there's going to be a lack of liquidity that you have. I feel like cash is the most liquid asset that you have, which means that you can easily use it for stuff, right? If you have all your cash or if you have all your money and investments, just because you make a request to pull your money out then and there, first of all, are you making or losing money? Probably going to lose money. But two, do you think immediately they're going to just give you that money. It's usually a three to four business day transaction of, okay, fine, like here you've made a decision, like, and then for it to show up in your bank account, all the things that if you needed money right then and there, you're probably not going to get it if you had to sell your shares, you know? How much should people have as a percentage for like they're in total, like, let's say you've got a certain amount of money invested and you realize that you don't have any cash on hand, what should that number look like? This is going to look different based on the situation that you're in. So I feel like to start off with, $1,000 is a great starter point. Mm -hmm. 
I think building on that, a lot of people say three months of your salary, Mm -hmm. then building that up to six months of your salary. And I think that may sound extreme to a lot of people to build up to that way. But I think when you have that, there's no looking back. And I think more people learn the hard way of really terrible things happening and them not having like a savings account or even just like $500 that they've had to put on their credit card, which has taken them ages to pay back and that's affected their credit score or getting a personal loan because they need to pay medical bills. Like, yeah, I think the more you have, the better. Isn't that the truth, Sonia? I love that. The second step to check if you are being risky or aggressive with your investments is compulsive portfolio checking. So this is the idea that you are spending, and it's related to behavioral finance, the idea that you are spending a lot of time checking your stock market portfolio. If you are doing that, that is a very obvious line to me that you are not comfortable with your investments and you have taken on too much risk. You have decided to bite off more than you can chew. And on one hand, it's amazing that we have, you know, the rise of user-friendly trading platforms, financial apps that let us make it so much easier to jump online and check. I mean, back in the day, if you wanted to check your investments, you had to like log into something that was quite difficult or you had to call up your broker. Even the idea of jumping on the phone with someone would have put me off checking my portfolio. But now from anywhere in the world, at any point in time, if you want to see how your stock portfolio is doing, you can. And that's amazing, but then you start to get into, well, you maybe take on more riskier investments because you're like, I can just check it at any point in time. If it starts to drop, that's not that much of an issue. And there was a study done, it was called the Prospect Theory and Analysis of Decisions Under Risk, and you might go, oh, that sounds quite familiar, and it was by the author of Thinking Fast and Slow. It's quite an old study, it was from 1979, but the groundbreaking paper that introduced prospect theory found that when people make decisions based on the potential value of losses, they actually do that instead of looking at the gains of the final outcome. So we make decisions as humans on, oh my God, what could I lose? And therefore that's going to ride my decision as opposed to what can I gain? What's my financial outcome? Findings from that study found that we feel the pain of loss so much more than the actual pleasure of gain which can drive us to check our portfolios way more frequently in market downturns because you feel strongly if you see a drop than the gain. And so you're constantly looking out for drops and you're constantly worried. So we're kind of hardwired to do this anyway. But if you are checking your portfolio, I would say more than once a week, that is a sign to me that you have invested in a way that is not in alignment with your risk profile and your investment goals. And you might actually have to look at rebalancing your portfolio. I love that. I feel like it's so true. Like it's just human nature to really meditate on what you've lost and what you're potentially losing. I do think that is also a telltale sign of maybe you should look at your strategy just once more and just figure out for yourself again what your goals are because sometimes if you're constantly worrying about something where is it coming from what's up you know yeah where is it coming from is because you don't want to get married and you've like planned like this whole life and in terms of your financial plans and why you're investing in the first place you're like hey I actually don't want a house why am I investing? Just go back to yourself again for a hot minute and then leave it. 
It's like digging deeper for sure. There's also another study that was done on this that I found really interesting. And I love the title of the study. It says, trading is hazardous to your wealth. And it was beautiful. I think it was so well done. It was done in 2000 by Brad M. Barber. And what he found is that individual investors who trade more frequently, so people that are looking at their accounts more and therefore investing more and trading more, actually have lower net returns than those that trade less. And so frequent trading, putting your money into the stock market, buying and selling more often, looking more often, is actually associated or driven by surprise, surprise, constantly checking your portfolio. So buying lots of shares in and out of shares is really bad for you. And that is literally fueled by checking your portfolio. So not only are you in a more risky situation, if you have put yourself in a place where you're checking your portfolio daily, but you're also actually going to make less money statistically. So we're not loving this from either side. Way to hone in on a point, eh? We are not a fan. (laughs) No, and that's a beautiful segue to mine. I feel like all of these kind of connect. And if you're thinking to yourself, damn, I'm like three of these, I'm two of these. Heck, if you're one of these, she's aggressive, she's risky. We love someone that can take risks and it's not necessarily a bad thing. If that feels right to you, then you go on ahead. We're just here to educate. But that rolls on greatly to my point of your trading every single day. We've talked about this. We've talked about day trading. We've talked about, hey, I'm looking at my investments every single day. You're on your phone, in your stock apps, because this is how accessible your portfolio is now on your lunch breaks, on your coffee breaks. And you're just thinking, hey, what should I do? Why can't I be a little bit more playful? For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. If you're not going to take it from me, take it from a financial planner of 15 years. His name is Brent West. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But one of the things that he notes is kind of like a red flag and a sign that you're way too aggressive with your investments is that you're trading every day. And it's more risky because in terms of what he's seen over his clients and who he's dealt with, it's not actually for gain. You're losing money. And not only are you losing money, you are putting yourself in really high stress situations. And that takes away kind of the simplicity of investing. Like it's supposed to help you. 
you know, it's supposed to be a beautiful thing. You're supposed to secure yourself for a future. You're supposed to feel the complete opposite of what you're feeling as you trade every single day. I do just want to note that I do think some people enjoy it. And I think some people kind of get off on that adrenaline rush of doing that multiple times a day and it's not their job. I think it's just something to think about because I think it pairs hand in hand to what I was saying of, are you secure in the decisions that you're making? And are you aligned with your investing strategy if you constantly are trading? Because I'm going to lean to no, you're not. It's just interesting because if you like think about how Sonia and I invest as people that are comfortable with the, like the way we know that we're not investing too aggressively for our own risk profile is we don't day trade. We don't check our portfolios. We don't have a high level of risk. And I love that quote around investing should be as exciting as watching paint dry. Like that's when you know you've got a good portfolio down. I love that quote. We don't use that enough. We should, because that's what we do. Like Sonia and I, we will talk about the share market and we'll talk about the news and we'll talk about things, but we don't say like, did you check today? Oh my God, did you see you went up 12%? Oh my God, I went down 2% like this and that. It's not what you see in the movies. It's not Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) Definitely not Wolf of Wall Street. Though in saying that, it ties in quite nicely with the fourth sign around if you are investing in a way that is too aggressive, how you know that you're not aligned with your investing strategy is the way you talk about your investments to other people, particularly your desire for constant reassurance. If you notice that when you talk about the stock market with your friends and you're like, hey, like I invested in company A, did you guys, did anyone else? Like Sonia, did you invest in company A? Or if you jump online and you jump into online forums like on Reddit, or if you're looking at what people are saying in the comment section of YouTube videos about a certain company, like the equivalent of this is when you buy a Dyson Airwrap and it absolutely is crappy. And then you jump online and read other people's YouTube reviews on the product because you're like, am I the only one that's made a mistake and bought this? Or do other people hate it too or other people loving it as well if you are looking for reassurance it is because you do not believe that your investment is perhaps the right investment for you or if you've been off again more you can chew when you're seeking this constant reassurance of course it is a psychological phenomenon it extends beyond the realm of finance and it's often linked to anxiety perhaps insecurity and a need for validation and there was a study done in 1985 so it's a little bit older by H. Schifrin and he noted that there was a thing called regret aversion and if you're constantly seeking reassurance as an investor you might be trying to avoid future regret and this can impact on your investment choices such as holding on to investment losses for too long or selling them too early because you're like, if I can get reassurance, I am completely avoiding the regret of perhaps making the wrong choice. If I'm constantly being told by everyone around me that this is a good investment or I'm not taking on too much risk, then it's not going to be that bad of a deal. And I have been there. I've invested in a company where I was like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And instead of dealing with that situation and going, have I invested in something that is outside of my risk tolerance, I just jumped online and read about all these other people that were also investing in it and how much they loved the company. And that was like a self-soothing experience, but it didn't actually get to the root of the problem. I'm not going to lie to you. Is this not a little bit of me? Is this you? I don't think so. I feel like it's me with life, not with my investments. (laughs) 
I reckon we all do it. Like I remember once, guys, I had like a personal problem and I was asking Sonia about it and she was like, you don't need a jury for your decisions. We all do it. That was one of my best lines ever. I've used it so many times, but not to me. (laughs) I need a jury. I need a privy council. (laughs) I mean, I have a group chat with some of my friends and it's called the board of directors. And it's just like where we share our life decisions where we're like, am I making the right choice? And if the board of directors say yes, then it is approved. But it's almost like outsourcing decision making and you've just got to learn to make decisions and stick with them, whether it's investing or personal. It is something that you should be aware of. And I personally think it's something that you should work on as well in terms of self-soothing and making those decisions and feeling secure in those decisions. Because one, you're constantly seeking reassurance. What does their approval mean to you? Like, are they going to know what your goals actually mean or why you've made the investment? Or does that mean that you actually haven't really put any thought into what you're doing and into what you're investing because that's also a sign of maybe look at your ethics, look at your values. Like, what are we doing here? I think there's a lot of layers to it. And I just, I feel like it's so me as well. I'm working on it. We'll get there. It is very normal. It is totally okay. And I think it's very honest to acknowledge that there are going to be times in everyone's life when we're just not sure about something. So we're going to seek reassurance. But if you're doing that with, let's say, if you look at your investment portfolio and you see five companies that you've invested in, and if you're like, oh my God, I asked about 50% of these to other people. Like I needed reassurance before I made this investment for about 50% of these. That's to me, looks like you're not that comfortable with how much risk you're taking and you should probably be looking to rebalance your portfolio in slightly less riskier investments for slightly less reward. Because yes, we all want the reward, but we also want to be sleeping easier at nighttime. And it just is so important to be, one, making sure that you have cash on hand, not checking your portfolio constantly, not day trading and not looking for constant reassurance. If you can take those all off, you can be rest assured that you are not investing in a way that is too risky for your needs. Can I just quickly say that no one comes out the gate perfect? Like I did. It's all such a I'm you kidding. Did, okay, <laughs> fine. Well, obviously this is excluding Simran Court, but I feel like it's a learning journey and who you were when you started investing to a couple of years down the line to five to ten to fifteen to twenty years down the line, they're different people. And I think your needs and your priorities and your strategy might change. And honestly, you can only do what feels right and what feels good at the time with the information that you have. So don't berate yourself on what you've done in the past. I know I came into this episode very aggressive, guys. Very angry. (laughs) And I'm ending it with love yourself. No, I'm kidding. With just be kind to yourself. If you notice these signs and you do want to change it, then that's a separate conversation that you'll need to have and look at for yourself. But if you notice these signs and you're comfortable, you're like, hey, I actually am fine with what I'm doing. And that's great. Do you? Well, I feel like that's a really good place to wrap up the episode. Now, if you have enjoyed this, if we have provided you any value, it would mean the world to us if you could take a screenshot 
put it up on your Instagram stories, share it with a friend that you think might be having a bit of an aggressive investment strategy who is stressing about their money. The person that is sending you constant questions about should I invest in this, should I invest in that, just gently nudge this to them. It helps us spread the word, it helps us continue to get the mission out there and it absolutely just means the entire world to us. So we'll see you next week, Sonia. See you next week, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team, bye.